What's up, guys? It's David Hess from the Rising Above podcast. Have you ever thought or dreamed about starting a podcast? Well, look no further. Anchor has all the tools necessary to record a podcast from your computer or phone. You heard that right. They make it so simple. When you host your podcast on Anchor, they will distribute your podcast on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Honestly, it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place, which is why I host on Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Hey everyone, welcome to the Rising Above podcast, a platform for you to share your story. Oftentimes, we all have something that happens to us in life and we have no way of sharing. Many people want an outlet, whether it's writing a book or going on a massive networking platform or starting an inspirational social media account. With the Rising Above platform, anyone with an inspiring, motivating, or interesting story can come on and share. It could be anything from the struggles of starting a business, the struggles of overcoming homelessness or mental illness. I've interviewed victims of rape, sexual assault, and abuse. There is no subject that is off limits. This platform offers a safe and fun way for you to share your story through a one-on-one experience. If you would like to share your story, the best way to reach out would be through social media. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook or through email. All the links will be provided in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Rising Above podcast. My name is David Hess, and today I have Ada with me. She is the CEO, CEO and founder of uh, Boss Embroider. It's a local uh, copywriting firm. Um, yep. So I guess with that being said, how are you doing today? I am doing great today. It's Saturday. <laughs> it is Saturday. <laughs> it is Saturday. You have any plans for today? Um, yeah, I'm actually going to hang out with my mom today. Uh, there's a restaurant that has like a special menu going on. So we're going to do that. Get oh, our cool. nails done. Oh, girls, girls day. Girls day. Exactly. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Saturdays are for the girls. <laughs> is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a, a, like a banner or a flag that says that? No, I should make one, right? You should. I should. Let you me should. hop into Canva when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, so you are the CEO and founder of Boss Embroider. How did that come about? So that came about because I've writing has been a thread for me throughout my life, but I didn't realize uh, that you could write for a living without necessarily like trying to make it onto a bestseller list or something like that. So um, as I looked into copywriting. I didn't really know what the term was until only a few years ago. Okay. So that helped me really take it from the nebulous to the concrete. So with that, I said, oh, okay, well, I want to do writing projects and I want to do ones that I enjoy. So my bachelor's is in microbiology. We did a lot of technical writing. Where'd you go to school? Uh, Michigan State. Oh, go green. Go green. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you. You never know when you meet a Wolverine, you know? Um, <laughs> I wouldn't live this close to MSU, I don't think. Right. If I was a Wolverine fan. <laughs> Some people are treacherous. Uh, but yeah, I, I wanted to continue that in a way that would um, make good use of my time as far as getting to do more things with writing and have it be um, have it be a way for me to really expand my writing knowledge and experience and help other people because I was always the one, you know, proofing my friends' essays and I tutored uh, a few times and um, I thought, oh, I should really make this a business. This is a way to have this be a concerted effort for me to share what I know and also grow and do projects that I love and get into writing without um, kind of having it be 
altered by expectations of other people. Okay. Which is funny because I actually do that for my day my day job now. But the company that I work for is very great, and even though um, the topics are not necessarily ones I would choose, sometimes it does encourage me to think outside the box. So this is so I get to learn and grow in a corporate setting at work, and then with my business, I get to do all passion projects, which is really awesome. That is cool. So yeah. where do you work at, if you don't mind sharing? Um, so I work. I work for a company that is in the real estate realm. Okay. So it's interesting right now. Um, they, they've been around for a little bit. Uh, I definitely have another, there's another copywriter that I work with. So she's been mentoring me okay. as far as how it works from a business standpoint and certain checks and balances that exist and why they exist. So it's also like it's feeding in positively into my business, but I do like that. I get to be a copywriter two different ways. That is cool. Yeah. So um, how do you balance the two? Really? Uh, having a, an eight to five works. Yeah. <laughs> because when I'm at work, I'm at work. Right. And my company is very, very good about work-life balance. I mean, you know, yesterday was that's Friday. Cool. Literally by 5.05, building was 90% cleared. Like, people are not kidding. Oh, that's one of those places. <laughs> yeah. You work hard, but when it's time to go, like... If you show up at 4.59, you're not getting help. <laughs> 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 yeah, it, everybody's mad at you for coming in the door. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the good thing really is that um, that is a good reminder, like to to operate in that mindset. Yeah. So when I am doing business stuff, like this is the time for business, like there's a time right. for work, there's a time for play. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people who are employees and they're running, you know, solopreneurs, I think it can be difficult to really set that time aside and have internal boundaries as to what you're working on and where your energy is focused mm -hmm. and i think a lot of opportunities can be missed and you kind of spin plates the wrong way right because you know you're not finding that balance so i think the the greatest thing about doing both is that they are separate things like i would never write about something for my business that i would for work because it that's not where my heart lies but then i get a lot of the foundational stuff from work and i can put that into my passion project right yeah that's um kind of like what i don't know if you know who lauren cumber cumber skin studio cumberbatch yes cumberbatch yeah i go she, there a lot do you <laughs> i do yeah. yeah she was on the podcast a couple weeks ago and yeah. she was saying i was like i was telling her i wanted to open a business and she's like she's like it's the hardest part is your time like knowing where to put your time yeah so, because you know when you're not employed with a, like, another a company and you're just working on your own thing, mm -hmm. you don't know where to necessarily focus most of your time on. And yep. yeah, she's, that's what she says. that time was the hardest, hardest thing for her. Yeah. So I would assume that like going to a, a, a nine to five or an eight to five or whatever it is for you, yep. it, it would help kind of put your priorities like, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this today. And yep. It's there. I think the most interesting place where I've seen that really, be tested is on my lunch breaks. So we're doing hybrid right now. So two days at home, three days in the office. And um, like there are some days on my lunch break, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do four things. And then the last 15 minutes I'll eat and like watch something mindless on YouTube. Oh, but, cool. <laughs> but there are other times where it's like, no, I need my lunch break. Like I've been riding hard for four hours. I, I can make that customer service call later. They're open till seven. <laughs> so, <laughs> so and and also you know with family members and you know if you're planning something you want to have input and group chats and things like that. Right. So, really, I think just that one hour is kind of like a microcosm of knowing when to use that to rest and knowing when to use that to get stuff done. Right. Yeah. 
That's really cool. That's, I mean, that's cool that you figured that out because I think a lot of people, like, especially for like me, I'm like an all or nothing kind of person. I'm like, okay, this is what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I'm doing that. Yeah. And finding that balance is real difficult to be like, okay, I'll do a little bit of this right now and then I'll go back to whatever I was doing before and then Mm -hmm. I'll come back to that later. Yeah. Especially when you're in the groove. Yeah. But it's like you only have 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's real cool that you're able to find that balance. Um, now, you had mentioned in your email that you wanted to talk about how it came to or changing your goals and everything in lieu of the pandemic. Yes. You want to talk about that a little bit? So, yeah. So I'll go back a little bit and okay. then. OK, so I am newly in the 30 plus crowd, not too far into my 30s. Um, 30? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 31. 31. Just had a birthday. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So, um I, you know, grew up with, as a lot of people did, with the understanding that you would graduate high school, go to college, get a career, you know, work there 30 years, retire, play with the grandkids, die. (laughs) 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 Um, So everything made sense up through college, right? And then I graduated. So I started, I'm dating myself here, but eh, (laughs) so my age. Um, So I started college in 2008, graduated 2012. Okay. So that was an interesting time to be alive like it is now. Yeah. Uh, and I got my bachelor's in microbiology and then I was like, I don't really want to work in a lab. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so that was one option. My other option was to become a physician. So kind of in a liquidous roundabout way. Um, so I went out to Massachusetts and I got my post back and then I applied to medical school. I got in to Ross medical school uh, in the Caribbean, in a little island called Dominica, not the DR, and I, I got in. I I I went to medical school. I did it. This is the thing, and that was like that was my focus really from age seven or so on. What did um, you want to do in the medical field? Uh, I wanted to be probably like family matter OB guy. Okay. Um, I didn't really get to the point where I would have to determine what I would specialize in. Okay. Because I realized when I went there that it was not for me. Hmm. And that was a whole, I think the way people are processing their lives now is how I process things when I left medical school. Because I was like, I'm a smart person. I have mm-hmm. a degree in science, but I, there's just something about it. And really being in those classes, like, I don't. I don't want to do this for the next 30 years. Right. I think it was disappointing to me. I feel like I let a, p- a lot of people down because that's the sort of news you tell everybody. So it's like, right. everybody. <laughs> that you're going to medical school and yeah. they're like, oh, congrats. That's awesome. Right. And then like, okay, how's it going? Well, I don't know because I'm not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I think a lot of people have that those kinds of moments in their life where they're just like, oh, well, I'm just not, I'm going to like fade into the background. Like you don't hear about a lot of people who went into a professional program and failed because right. you know, they didn't graduate. Right. But for me, graduating would have been failing because I would have been really stuck in that career with the student debt and everything. It's like, let me get out all the debt. The debt balance is lower. I think it's important that you say that because that happens to so many people. I, I literally was just talking to my wife yesterday about this and, um, because she was talking about how she regretted not doing certain things. And she, she didn't necessarily say she regretted because she doesn't really regret anything. But she wishes that she did more in college and whatnot and took mm-hmm. more advantage of the time that she had there to to explore, do, explore, do other things. Mm-hmm. And um, I had said that, you know, I always wanted to have that experience. I never went to college. 
-hmm. but um i'm glad i didn't because i don't i i know me and i'm never happy never satisfied and if i had done something that i wanted if i had went to college for like social work or something because that's one thing i wanted to do when i was 18 years old is work mm -hmm. in the social care field i i wouldn't want to do that today right and right. i would have been really upset if i went to college and got in all this debt to go to college and then now i'm stuck in this in this field to try to pay off my student loans and right. i'd be stuck there forever right and that's that's something big too because i think it's i've heard it from a few different sources but i think they said like 75 percent of people with at least bachelor's degrees are not currently working in the field uh, that they graduated in. Wow. So That's insane. Yeah, ROI is looking a little suspicious these days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, education is great, but yeah. education is, um, before it was a path, now it's an umbrella. Right. So. I was, uh, see, I was talking to my wife. I was like, I don't know how you could implement it. And it's kind of expanding a little bit now, I think, with, like, the internet. And, um like the power of like podcasts and people talking, you know, but I think that there should be like courses, like, like necessary, like if I want to learn how to, cause she went to college for art. So we were talking mm -hmm. about art. Like if I wanted to learn art, but I don't necessarily want to get a degree and I don't want to get in all this debt, I should be able to take like maybe an art class and like learn some specific things. Right. Or like if I wanted to uh, go to school for like media or something to learn how to do a podcast. I should be able to like take take a podcasting class or something. Right. But now you know they ha with the internet they have like master classes and stuff that you can do. So it's kind of it's kind of going that way I think. But yeah, I think it's it's I mean, it's kind of like with with TV. It's like everybody has you know the package with all the things. So yeah. you know like the five I have a thousand channels. That's like someone who has like a PhD. And <laughs> yeah. then if someone's like we have you know basic cables like hey i got the bachelor's so, <laughs> <laughs> so now it's more like well i just want netflix and hulu right and it's like well i just want you know like 10 credits of a biz of business training and then maybe 10 for podcasting right and now you can start a podcasting business right exactly so i think it's definitely going to get interesting the landscape i agree is, is changing as far as yeah. like um you to me and coursera and skillshare all these different Obviously, this is not an ad. I'm not. <laughs> if you'd like to, shoot me an email. But um, we always like sponsorships. Yeah, sponsorships—they're great. They make the world go around, right? That's right. <laughs> but I think the biggest thing is to realize that things that work for past generations won't necessarily work now. Mm -hmm. If they do, that's great. But be inquisitive, right? Because these are these are your years. This is your money, your time. Mm -hmm. So I think something I would have done is, okay, so I was always in the, in the science building because, you know, that was my major. And then I, I saw people going to Broad, the business school, and I was like, oh, it must be boring. Like, I thought business was like, you're miserable, you make a lot of money, but you're wearing a suit for 16 hours <laughs> a day. You know, you have all these stereotypes because I never, right. you know, I never took a class. And I think, especially the way that gen eds work, you can take a lot of things and have it cover your bases. Okay. If I would have taken one business class, like, my whole life trajectory could have been completely different. Really? Yeah. But I thought, oh, you can't. Like, you have to stick to it. You have to. And nobody told me these things. Nobody said you have to. But I thought, like, oh, I don't want to be undecided. That's embarrassing. Well, right. I was decided on something, but I didn't know why, which is worse. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. They don't care. The school doesn't care. They don't. They, like, they want you to be able to pick a course and stay on that course because they, they're making money from exactly. it. Exactly. And they charge you more, like, the higher you go. So it's like, you right. really have to. I mean... 
you've got to run it like a business to some extent, but also, I mean, the advisor that I personally had, I went to her August freshman year, and she was there for research. I think the advisorship was really just um, bundled in with what she wanted to do, <laughs> and she was like, I don't really know how to help you. Oh, my gosh. And then I go back in January, and she's like, I still don't know. Oh. So then I was just like, you know, and I wasn't as self-aware as I was 18 years old. Right. So I went to the general advising place, and they helped me, like, graduate, and, like, make sure I met all my requirements, but I didn't really have anybody to say, hey, make sure, like, freshman year, you take your gen eds, but be open to different things. Mm-hmm. So looking back, I can see, oh, well, I really like writing for this. I was in um, African Student Union and some Nigerian-American, and I was just like, okay, like, I love writing the emails, and, you know, these things would happen. It's like, hello, writing, hello, writing. <laughs> like, I trusted out of college writing because uh, through passing my AP exam for AP English, and I what? still went into science. <laughs> so oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, you don't put things together till later, but... Right. For anybody who's watching, if you feel like you're on a path and this is the path you've always wanted, that's great. But don't be afraid to just take 10 minutes and and watch a YouTube video on something, to look Mm -hmm. into something. Because if that opens the door, there may be a fear that I'm like, oh, I don't want to switch because I told everybody X, Y, Z. Especially the younger we are, the fewer responsibilities we have, like take that time. Mm Because you don't want to be 45 years old telling your kid to do something that you wish you could have done, but you don't really know why. Right. You know, it's not necessarily because you see them thriving in it because you think that's stable. A lot of things are getting shaken up right now, so take the time to explore why you can. So many things are getting shaken up right now. Um, and that that's, that's I think, the positive thing about the pandemic is people realize, I don't like working this job. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm laid off anyway, so why not go do something that I want to do? Why not start that business I wanted to start? Exactly. You know, like, I'm not making any money right now anyway, so right. just might as well take the risk. Yeah, and that was... We might die tomorrow anyways of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> But really, I mean, to to finally get back to answering your initial question, um, how I got into copywriting, uh, especially like as my primary source of income, was so I spent most of my 20s in nonprofit. I was in nonprofit, learned a lot about mental health. I was a counselor for about a year and a half in Massachusetts. I mean, that was a really formative experience. Um, I also considered uh, going and getting an MSW, but I saw that and I was like, the burnout is... There's the great work, and then there's, like, all the chaos and red tape surrounding the great work right. that I think people might not factor in, so mm-hmm. they'll go headlong. And there there was a point where I was actually just, like, trying to find, because I always saw myself getting a master's degree. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have uh, both my parents be college educated, so cool. that foundation was set. Right. Uh, but I still, I still had to navigate my own college experience. And I think I didn't know what questions to ask my parents. So, you know, we're, we're on good terms. We, we talk regularly. But I think a lot of it was just like, you kind of have to bump your head a little bit anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you got to find your own way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I was in nonprofit and then I went to medical school and then I came back and moved uh, to Grand Rapids. And then I was like, well, I know nonprofit. That was nonprofit always has openings you know as long as there's grant funding there's openings in nonprofit right so i was a community organizer for a couple years what uh, nonprofit did you work for so i worked for the west grand neighborhood organization i was their bilingual community engagement specialist bilingual yes what language spanish oh cool yep yep cool um so i'm espanol 
Hola, por todos los panorantes. Uh, no soy nativa, pero uh, a mí me gusta explorar y, y aprender sobre culturas diferentes y, y sobre um, tipos diferentes de, de personas para porque tengo But I don't speak Spanish at home. <laughs> 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 Nigerians don't speak Spanish at that baseline. But uh, but basically, I... What, what did you just say? So I said I like speaking Spanish. I like learning about different cultures and different types of people. Okay. Um, really, nonprofit, working in the nonprofit sector really helped me shed a lot of false notions that I had. I had... Um, I didn't understand mental health. I didn't understand substance use like because I've never had my own personal history with it mm -hmm. um, but I really what, what was your previous thoughts on that like do you just think that somebody chose to like ruin their lives like with substances like like if you heard about an al alcoholic or somebody who abused drugs would you just be like oh that's their choice like they're choosing to screw their life up was that was I, that kind of your like previous notions With mental health, I didn't, this is going to sound problematic, but hey, growth is a blessing. Growth is a good thing. And I think it's important for people to know, I mean, because that, that's mm -hmm. one reason why I started this podcast as well, is to see like the progression of people. Right. People change over time. Oh, yeah. And so I think it, it's, it's important to see where somebody started and then see like how they, how they changed. Right. So, so um, I didn't understand the validity of mental health originally because I, like I said, I didn't know anybody who had really gone through something and was open about it because I think people go through a lot in, in silence and in darkness. Mm -hmm. um, so there was that side of it. And then there was realizing how, how substance use can keep somebody like falling back into, you know, unhealthy cycles mm -hmm. and seeing people because over that year and a half, we had people who would come in every few months and, and then once you read their files, then that makes, you know, that helps you put everything together. Like, Um, cycles of abuse there was this one person from a really prominent family out east and they're like the black sheep of their family um but they trigger warning they had a lot of sexual trauma and he had physical damage internally because of the sexual trauma wow. and he was middle-aged and he was i mean he'd been broken for decades right in a way that seemed irreparable i mean his family had all the money to take care of him but money doesn't fix everything right so that was as close as we could get was to just be there for him in the way that we could mm -hmm. um but i think because of his family status they also didn't want to acknowledge because it was intrafamilial so that you know people don't want to say oh i'm the cousin of a so-and-so right so right Yeah, so I learned a lot with that as a counselor and then as a community organizer, just seeing how policies work and seeing how... Do you... I'm sorry. We keep going down these small little rabbit holes and you're, I know you're trying to tell your story. Yeah, you're good. But working in with that, did you see how um, policies... Did it, did it affect... Do you think that they... I don't know how to word it, but... Um, Do you think it had a positive effect on the nonprofit and what they were trying to like achieve overall, or was it a lot of political like kind of both? I saw the importance of 
getting to know your local politicians, everybody vote, please register to vote. I know politics is a hot mess. The two party system has failed us. I'm going to go on the record and say that. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like, <laughs> 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 <Ooh>. um, <laughs> but it did show me the importance of knowing your local politicians because you do have sway at least with your vote, but definitely also as an organization, we would partner with um, other neighborhood organizations and we actually formed a collaborative. We'd have meetings with um, people from the city and okay. we were able to affect positive change in that way. Um, but then you also saw other players who were focused on particular motives mm-hmm. that weren't necessarily for the greater good. Right. So, you know, being grassroots is very informative. Um, it's also very taxing. I don't think I could do it for 30 years. Yeah. I don't think very many people could do it for 30 years, which is like what I said. Nonprofit is always hiring. You do you do take a pay cut just to exist in the field for, right. for most people. Yeah. Um, unless you're upper management and they've got, you know, a lot of funding. Right. But I definitely grew a lot through that. I got to know people and I got to learn the power and the volume of my own voice while I was amplifying the voices of other people. So that was really big. And I will forever be grateful to the sector for that too. The West Grand Neighborhood Organization for that. And I also worked at the DOC. So it's the Discipling of Christ Kids. Um, there is an after school program in the Kellogg'sville area, which oh, cool. is, yeah, very, very ethically diverse. Um, unfortunately, also, uh, they could use a lot more resources. Very underprivileged. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was interesting, too, because I didn't know what Dutch Reformed was until I moved to Grand Rapids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what it is either, but I would assume it's very strict and religious, right? Yeah, they kind of have like a weekly schedule. Like I remember I, was t- I sent out an email, I think, requesting volunteers on a certain day. And then my boss, who grew up in that area, he was like, what do you mean? Like, you don't send out an email on this day. And he was kind of annoyed. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is this is business hours. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, no, Monday you have this, Tuesday you have this, so Wednesday's the best day because Thursday you have this, Friday you have this, Saturday you have this, and Sunday is church. Really? I was like, this is a culture I never... Christianity is so diverse and complex. That is crazy. Yeah. And that's just like 45 minutes up the street. <laughs> right, right. It, I mean, it really... Yeah, it was, it's... There's a cultural shift once you pass, like, <laughs> past Portland. I think that's, you know, and, and I'm not knocking it. You know, every, every, I mean, Lansing has a culture too, but I think, yeah. I, I mean, I grew up here, so I'm more familiar with it. Right. You grew up on the same street I live on. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Down the street. Yep. Um, and with that, so my boss is, my, my boss that I'm, he, he's a white man. And he grew up with a lot of similar trauma experiences to what the students went through, who are mostly students of color. I am a black woman, and I grew up with relative affluence. You know, we moved out of this neighborhood that I grew up in down the street, and we moved out to the suburbs, and we were in private school up until then. So, oh, okay. so I think us, and we were the only two paid employees. I was part-time there, and then he was full-time. Okay. So I think having us lead was kind of like, for some, maybe like an unexpected combination. So right. there was a representation there uh, for what I look like, but then I've done different things than what some of their family members had done. And then um, a lot of people who are in positions of power looked like my boss at the time, but then he had experiences. Right. So I think we're able to tag team and really do a lot of good work there. Yeah. I, I think about the students every day, like 
Oh man, I, especially when COVID hit, I was just like, "What's gonna happen to the students?" What happened? Do you do you know? Not completely. I did a little Facebook research the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What's up with my kids?" Um, they were open when they could be, but I know a policy they had was when the schools were closed, then the after school program was closed. Okay. So and I know yeah. in the summers too, a lot of people wanted to just be free for right. better for worse. Right. So um, now, does Lansing have anything like this? They probably do. Okay. I do want to get back into mentorship. I am trying to fit that in with the business and my day job and all these things. The the girl uh, the, the girl I had on yesterday, Shamber. I don't know if you know her. I don't she think so. uh Shamber Kirkin I I can't remember her. I don't want to screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway, she she came on and she was a um she was in foster care and she mentors foster kids volunteer it's volunteer work through okay. St. Vincent's. Okay. And so she goes to like um their their homes like the the in-home care and she'll like just hang out with them and mentor them and stuff. So I do know that that's one one thing available here in in town, but as far as having like these programs for underprivileged kids in the community, I don't really know of I mean, there, I guess there are some. There are some programs that do help them, but I, I don't know if there's like a place for them to go to like as a community and like right play games or um or even like have tutoring or you know stuff like that. Yeah, like I, I've seen stuff like that, but it, a lot of it typically ends around five. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to find one. Like, anybody want to be up until seven? Because I'll come over. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's definitely something I'm looking looking to do. Um, whenever the variants want to stop playing around and and <laughs> mutating, <laughs> then I'll definitely get back into it for sure. But. Um, yeah. So how did you, how did you, did, when did you start this business? Was it during the pandemic? It was, I think it was, I know it was in July of last year, the year before. Okay. So was Quarantine. it during, was it during COVID? I think it was during COVID. Okay. I, I, I mean, I have the paperwork, but <laughs> quarantine time is a little bit of a new dimension. So. It's, um, I mean, especially when you're starting a business, it's like, okay, this is what we're doing. And then it's like, you're, you're just, you're, you're diving into all this, all these different things, all these different avenues. So I'm sure the time frame is not quite there. Right. It's kind of, uh, I'm, I'm still in the launching stage too. So I think that's oh, a little okay. bit harder for me to be more definitive with, but I know it was in July that I officially became an LLC and I was like, all right, we're doing this. Got so, the WordPress website. So what made you, the WordPress? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> what made you want, I, you, you said what made you want to, but like, was it, what was it during the pandemic that you were just like, okay, this is what I'm doing? Really? So, okay. So fast forward through my community organizing days in Grand Rapids, mm -hmm. I moved back here. Um, I started working again in nonprofit, um, new level, managerial level. So that what nonprofit? Can you say? Oh, I'm not gonna say. No, <laughs> no, okay. no. But they are they are in Lansing. Okay. Um, what do they do? Uh, they do a lot of things. They have they have many <laughs> branches. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, because um, my my experience there was positive and negative. So I'm gonna okay. leave them anonymous. Okay. Positive in letting me know what I do and don't want out of a work experience. Okay. And about um, learning to become assertive and learning better habits for being in a work environment. I think 
I have historically been the type of employee to just figure it out in nonprofit. You're wearing a lot of hats anyway. Mm -hmm. So, and I went from smaller ones to a larger one. So I kept the mentality of I have to wear six hats. Who doesn't wear six hats? There's three of us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would imagine you'd have to because everybody that, I mean, because typically with nonprofits, you're working with uh, people from the community and everybody's different. It's not every, not everybody's not the same. So you would have to kind of, adjust your your approach with things i'm assuming for every every individual right right and it 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 really um that becomes an impetus for you to be independent insofar as learning to educate yourself on how to be those different things to different people right because that benefits the organization and you work for the organization you you want to do the work right um but i had to learn how to delegate especially being a manager because everybody comes to you for things because that is the structure and that's what you agreed to. But seeing that in practice is different. Right. So then you realize, okay, well, if I'm going to get out before 9 p.m., <laughs> not really 9, but there were times <laughs> I'd be there till you know, 6 o'clock. Right. And I didn't have to, if I would have delegated, then I would have been able to have a better work-life balance like I do now. Right. And, I mean, it's a day-night difference. But then I have to realize, too, is part of that, was really like I said, you have to start with the internal boundaries. Like if I'm leaving at five or you know, like now I'm like okay, five ten. I gotta, I have to get off this computer and clock out. Right. Um, but before, I'm like oh, let me just do a little bit more. Let me just, oh. you know that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you could be up till two a.m. if you let yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with that i'm losing track of the question now because we yeah we're, we're we're like the rabbit trails group but it's it's all for it's all for good um but oh. the the difference w- yeah so how i got into this <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the difference with that was like i said learning to delegate learning what i do and i don't want out mm-hmm. of things and it's like well if i can spend this much time doing something where i realize even though i'm working hard i'm not thriving and right. um there are other people who are more type A and they're really built for this and they'll know how to get things done, you know, way ahead of schedule and also still leave at five o'clock. And I, you know, I hadn't really mastered that and it was something that didn't have my heart the way that copywriting does. Right. So I think a lot of that was like maybe, maybe a little bit of me being avoided, like I'll take care of these things and then I'll do them like at four o'clock, then I'll start doing those things and then I'm there till 5.30 because, (laughs) you know, like little things like that where you negotiate with yourself, but it's not, you're not always the best negotiator with yourself. (laughs) (laughs) So with that, I realized like, okay, well, copywriting is what it's called and they're hiring. So I started looking at different places where, um, that look to have the type of, that they were looking for the type of employee that I wanted to be. Okay. So with that, I you know was going through like, the application process and you know, um, really envisioning like okay if I have to take a pay cut, but then I, you know it's a healthier work environment for me or you know it's more supportive or it has more of what I need. Right. Then then I'll do that. Um, and I was like, Lord, if it has to be a ten dollar an hour job, I'll do it. Oh. I, I have a saving, not trying to use my savings, but right. if that's what it takes for me to get my foot in the door, okay, because yep. the economy is weird right now, whatever. Thank God. I I believe in God. Um, I'm very grateful that he's blessed me with the position I have now because it is not $10 an hour. Awesome. Yeah, and it's, um, it's interesting because I look back at, like, 
when I was I'm sorry. Oh, you're kidding. The, I, I thought for sure that camera's flashing. Yeah. But it's not flashing on the screen. Mm-mm. Okay. All right, we're good. I'm okay. sorry. No problem. Um, it's interesting to see like where I was five years ago and then where I am now, and it's like the things that I can afford to do. I also started getting into personal finance, so realizing like the beauty of compound interest and um, you know ETFs and things like that. It. I'm glad that I didn't have to, you know, risk it all mm-hmm. to work my dream job. Yeah. Two ways. And, um, but a little part of me still feels guilty sometimes like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't have the financial concerns that I had back then. Definitely helped. I already considered myself to be financially literate, financially literate, but, um, nonprofit made it like, okay, this is, you have six beans. <laughs> <laughs> Make those beads do what they need to do. But now, um, I joked with one of my former coworkers, like, you know, people say, oh, they pay me peanuts. I said, well, I'm up to four cashews now. So. Cashews are the good ones. Yeah, exactly. That's the good kind. So maybe. Those I don't are know. the hundos. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, maybe I have a couple Brazil nuts now. We'll see. But, <laughs> but um, really just. I've been making sure that I'm a good steward of my resources. Uh, I think that's been easier for me to do with money than with time. So now I'm learning the time thing. And finally, answering your initial question, um, what what caused me to make the switch during quarantine and start the business was realizing that fear can hold us back. And you'd realize that you're being fearful. Exactly. So kind of like with college, how college was like, I wasn't even thinking about other options. Now I'm thinking about them, but I don't want fear to be like, I don't want to just be ruminating on it. Mm-hmm. I want to be acting on it. Right. And if it doesn't work out, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have a day job. I've got things covered in that area. So I can structure my time so that I can really give it the old college try, pun intended. And, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and really see like, is this viable? Is this not? Because with med school, I went, I never have to wonder about it. There was a Euro trip I took with some of my classmates from that. And then one of the first things I thought, you know, when I first heard about COVID was like, I'm glad I went to Europe. (laughs) 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 So with this now, you know, like I'm not married, I don't have any children. So this is my new current thing, like Mm -hmm. start the business. And, and at my age, I've gotten to have a, a couple of friends and coworkers have pregnancies. So they give me like the real tea about it. And I'm like, (laughs) Am I really like? Do I want to wait to that point to start? Right. Because it can be done, but it's like go a little easy on yourself if you can. Right. So that's what made me start doing quarantine. Is like, if I don't do it now, I'm not going to. Right. Right. Because it would be so much easier to talk myself out of it. Because you know you can use your partner's excuse. You can use your children as an excuse. You can use. I've got these products going on at work, so when I come home, I don't want to do anything. Right. And there are times when that's necessary, but don't let that be all of it. Right. So. Yeah, yeah that's, I again, I think that was a real important thing during the COVID is that everybody was like, it, it changed a lot of things. It, 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 it affected relationships. People realized mm-hmm. that they were in marriages that they didn't want to be in because they're mm-hmm. stuck home with these people. They're like, I don't really like you. Right. I don't want to be with you. So a lot of people got divorced. 
yeah. a lot of people got together. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of people quit their jobs and started working or started a business or started working for other companies. Had kids. You had kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, if not now, what? <laughs> there's probably lots of kids being born right now. <laughs> yes. Uh, there were, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a question for you and I, I slipped my mind. You were talking. I'm just like, I don't remember what it is. Um, yeah, I don't remember what it, what it was. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't remember. No problem. We've, oh. been, we've been taking the scenic route. So <laughs> scenic route Saturday. <laughs> so um, you formed the LLC last year. Yes. And you're still in the works of forming the business. Mm-hmm. Um, have you had any clients? Short answer, no. Okay. Um, I haven't. I'm just starting to put my name out there. Okay. Um, I've had a couple people that I've done work for that I've requested testimonials from. Cool. So um, I'm building that. Um, I'm also working on my website, um, launch date TBD, but okay. I wanted to build to it. To be determined for the old folks? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I'm just joking. That was rude. <laughs> old is in 35. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I'm, I've not, and that, that's a fair thing for me too, if I'm going to be completely honest, because it's like, once you have a client, then you have to, I gotta make sure I know how to do invoices and get the bookkeeping right and all these things. Um, Do you think this is something that you're going to do on your own or are you going to like outsource that to another company? Are you going to bring in other companies to help you like, so that you can focus on what you actually want to do and you don't have to worry about those side things? I think... Initially, I will be a solopreneur, like in the truest sense of the word. Okay. Um, gathering information, like me building my website, like I bought lifetime access to a course. I'm not gonna bump my head on everything, mm-hmm. but I want to do it myself because there's something. You created your own website. I'm creating my own. Creating. Website. Yes. Okay. Yes. How hard is that? Um, it's interesting. I don't think I've hit the hardest parts of it yet. Okay. But it's something I definitely want to know how to do. Like I was. So I'm a fan, like I said, personal finance. There is another Nigerian-American, Tiffany Aliche. Her her name is Budget Nista. And she she lost everything in the recession. So when I was in college, like, I'm going to graduate with a bachelor's in science. She was like, I lost my job and my condo got foreclosed on because oh. no more money. So she built herself from the ground up. And now she, her businesses make, I don't know. Tens of millions of dollars. Maybe they just hit ten million recently. Who is this? The budget nista, Tiffany Aliche. She's I don't know who that is. So she um like she's on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Oh, okay. And she her whole thing is personal finance, particularly for okay. marginalized communities. Okay. And she was talking about how in the pandemic, like she was like, if I was never so broke that I was renting a a room, went from condo a whole condo to renting a room and building myself up from nothing and you know, building this empire um she's like back then because she has sister locks sister you know dreads and she had to teach herself how to redo that because she didn't have money to outsource that right so it's really that mindset of like let me learn how to do the basics now so if i ever have to fall back she's like the pandemic i wasn't you know i wasn't getting my hair done i had to do it myself because i still had tv appearances i needed to look presentable wow so it's it's that kind of thing for me of really just if I learn how to do it once, then I can always fall back on that. So like we talked about before with education being an umbrella, you know, it's not just like, you know how to set all this up. So 
you know, one day you'll be in some big fancy studio, all Hopefully. these things. Yeah, that's the dream, like, right? Yeah, great <laughs> stuff, great stuff. And then, you know, if something ever happens and you have to, you know, work out of your house, you've got all this, you know how to do it. Right. So it's, yeah, yeah I think at one point it, it does become um, a cost center to do it yourself because you could be doing more productive things elsewhere. Right. But until I reach that point foundationally, I'm going to be right. doing it myself. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it, there's something to doing things yourself too, especially like for a business. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's one thing with the podcast is I didn't know how to do a podcast. I'm like, I have no idea. I don't know how to interview people. I've, I've, I suck at talking. I'm not a good talker. <laughs> um, I don't know much about software. I don't know much about computers. I don't know much about microphones. I don't know anything about cameras. Right, right. I'm going to try to do a podcast. <laughs> hey, and here you are. I don't know anything about lights. <laughs> And uh, so it just it, it's just something that I've had to learn how to do on my own mm-hmm. and um, and learn how everything works. And th- I think there's something to that because, again, like you said, if, it, if something happens and I can't have somebody ha- here helping me or, you know, I got to, you know, regress the podcast back and from state back to stage one and, you know, right. do it in my basement like I'm doing right now then it won't be a problem. I'll, I'll know how to do it all. Exactly. So I think, th- I think that's important. Right. Yeah. And you're, and you're knocking out fear preemptively. Yeah. Cause if you're someone who's like, you know, who had the blessing of someone like, Oh, I'll put you in this studio. Like, Oh great. I don't have to do the struggle bit. Right. But then if you, you know, for people, it's kind of like a catch 22. It's like, cause if you ever had to take even one step back, they might give it all up because they don't want to have to figure this out. And there right. might be an embarrassment factor of like, Oh, well, I was in a, I was leasing a beautiful studio for $100,000 a year, yeah. and now I don't know how to do it for $500. Right, so, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's important to know how much hard work goes into something, too, because mm-hmm. then it makes you appreciate the whole thing, and, you makes, and it makes you appreciate the people who do help you out, because you're like, I, I understand, you know, like, yeah. I get it. Yes. Um, Shout so, out to Charla Burnett of OT Consultancy. I took her small business workshops, so just shouting her out. She's a good, she's, she's a good businesswoman. So. Cool. She helps, They're a good she business person, yeah. She helps you out. Yeah, I took I took her workshops and that was my first foray into like it's not just ideas like there are existing concepts and okay. there are existing schools of thought that are worthwhile to tap into before I think it's it's important to have your own good original ideas but you also have to work with the existing zeitgeist because if you come in and you're on a different frequency ah. <laughs> So you want to explain like their copywriting like if somebody wanted to come in and copyright something what what type of things do you copyright what 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 would it be? Like, so, I would do ad copy, like social media ads. So uh, if I wanted to, I'm sorry, if I wanted to bring like an ad to you for the podcast, mm-hmm. you would copyright that so somebody else couldn't take it, right? So, okay, so super grammatical thing because copywriting is, of course, it's grammatical. There's <laughs> copyright, like R-I-G-H-T. Okay. And then there's, um, so like rights to the copy. Right. And then there's, copyright w-r-i-t-e so writing. i'm writing the copy writing okay yes so there's I, a difference yes i get that <laughs> question a lot though which is like why don't they just make it different um, <laughs> <laughs> um so for me i would so i would basically write for marketing marketing purposes okay so if it's like show notes or if it's social media copy or if it's an event announcement or if it's i mean i've done things like at my day job too like okay can you write a letter or can you design a form mm. i've i've done things like that too. Oh, okay so okay yeah. so if i wanted to put an ad out you would create the ad for me yes and i could schedule it for you 
That's very cool. Yep. And how do you promote these things? Uh, really, social media has been my main thing so okay. far. I was at, I know Lauren, um, who we talked about earlier, yeah. she had a pop-up market. Okay. So I tabled at that as well, gave away some nice prizes. and. Oh, cool. Yep. So I'm trying to um, get my website up and running so people can access that and see. Because if you're on a social media platform, you're in somebody else's house. So I'm building my house right now. That's true. That's a good idea. Yeah. Thanks. A lot of people will see this. I I hope. Um, I'll at least put put it on like our neighborhood site, so uh, mm-hmm. on Facebook, and the whole community will see it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, now, what's your overall goal with it? I, mean, I know you're still launching it, and uh, you're you're still kind of in the beginning phases of the business. What's your long term long term goal for the company, and what would you like to see happen within like I guess the next five or so years? Five years. Um, definitely, I want to have like a fully up and running website that is user friendly. Um, I do have plans for different projects, like seasonal things and just things I would like to, would like to try. Um, giveaways and going back to the budget Easter, not that I'm here to just name drop, but you know, th- this is, if anybody ever wants to know, like this is on the record, like these are the people who have helped me and right. inspired me. Um, and they could help other people, but um, the budget Nista talks about she, she said like give 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 then ask so i think it can be easy as small business owners to be like you know you don't want to come off with a buy me a mixtape <laughs> 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 not to knock you know aspiring artists but i think people really when they when you don't have brand recognition people genuinely wonder what what's in it for me right and you know oh, you're just hassling me for money. I think it can have that vibe versus like, I have things to offer and I have so much to offer that I will give you X, Y, and Z. And should you feel the need to explore A, B, and C, I have the up and running in a format that makes sense, that is accessible, Mm -hmm. that is easy to share with other people so they can get in on the good too. Uh, So for five years from now, I would say to definitely have things fully up and running, uh, maybe do some courses maybe do some courses on on what on um a few different things i've also run like at at uh past but in past positions i've run large events okay so i've had experience with that so to share the knowledge i've gained on that and knowledge i've gained on um just different facets of experiences of past positions so i i want to diversify really okay that that's the short answer um, diversify, always bringing it back to writing because you can't, even though video is a big thing, there's also the inclusion piece. So you've got subtitles, you've got mm-hmm. translations, you've got right. um, text descriptions underneath images. So there's always a need for writing and all of those things, but I am a creative. I think even though I can, I have left brain tendencies, science, I'm going from Bunsen burners to ad copy, but <laughs> <laughs> but I think for me really is to see how see how I can yield a positive impact in a way that allows me to really flourish in a way that pushes me in a way that helps me thrive because I know what I'm doing is 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 for a good reason it's for a good cause but it's also in a way that I can leave my legacy. So, um, I think sometimes it's meeting a need, but other times it's, it's daring to dream and daring to live out your dreams 
And there's there's living the dream, which I think is like, oh, this is so relaxing. This is great. This is exactly what I want. But then there's living out your dream, like, you know, going through the rough patches, figuring it out, knowing that you have the capacity. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that can be scary is realizing how much we have the capacity to do. Right. Like, you know, the Olympics just finished. You look at them like these are like the the people who are the most fit human beings. Right. They're they have all different body types come from literally all over the world but they are at peak performance level. Yeah. And I think if we take a piece of that and think, okay, well, what's my peak performance level? What is, you know, and their lives are a little bit different as far as training and everything, but I think there's something to be said for having a full life and not having it just like, I have a lot of things to do, but it's like, I'm doing a lot of really cool things. Right. And having people to share that with, of course. Feeling fulfilled. Exactly. Thank you. Yes. Feeling fulfilled. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. I mean, because you could have a job where you're making $500,000 a year. You're doing well. You're killing it. Yeah. You know, but you might go home every night and and drink a whole bottle of whiskey or something because <laughs> right. you hate your life. You hate your job, you know? Yeah. That's not really the dream. Mm-hmm. I, I hate it when people, like, you're like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm living the dream. Right. Like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. You hate your life. You're right. saying that out of, like, you're saying that because you have to say that. Exactly. And, uh, that's the case with a lot of people. They're they're not living their dream. They're not really doing what they want to do. Right. They're going to this nine to five job or whatever, and they, they hate doing it. Right. So. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's the case with, like, a, a lot of my coworkers. <laughs> I work at GM. <laughs> okay. So, like, I'll, I'll be like, hey, how are you doing? I'm living the dream. No, you're not. You hate this. You hate this. I hate it. I, I get it. Like, right. don't say that. <laughs> right, right. You better wake up. <laughs> my my response to that is like, well, nightmare, nightmares are dreams too, so. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. And, and I, with that, there is, um, like, I think with nonprofit, I stated it because I, I knew I could do it. So I was growing a little bit in that with the managerial position. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, what if I went corporate? <laughs> and that was like, <gasps> to me, you know, it was, it was such a big thing. It was like, okay, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it the right way. I'm going to do it in a way that makes sense. Yeah. Because again, like what I thought about business was what I thought about corporate because you only know what you know. Right. And I was like, oh, well, is it going to be a place that has good, you know, work-life balance, who's supportive, who listens to me, who, you know, you want it to be a healthy dynamic. And, um, I was able to find that with my employer. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I was just like, I mean, I was thinking about this yesterday, just talking with my coworkers and, you know, we work hard, but we socialize, you know, every now and then you just take 10 minutes and you just chat it up. Yeah. And we were just having so much fun, like just laughing our butts off. And I'm like, (laughs) and it's different when you're laughing your butts off because you're exhausted Mm -hmm. and there's kind of like a dark cloud over the moment versus like, nah, this is a healthy experience. Right. So it's definitely healthy to be around other people and have a good time at work. Yeah. There's definitely something, something to that. Right. Um, and I would think that because you, you plan on being solo, right? You don't for a while. Yes. For a while. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is your long-term goal to hire other people? Yes. I want to. So, so I would assume that you would love to give other people that experience and a healthy work balance and work and life balance and yes, exactly work environment. Everything feeds in knowing what I want and what I don't want, and then seeing the way people are with me right. is again what I do and don't want to be as an employer right. down the line. You know, so. So, do you plan on having like a like a well, obviously, if you hire other people, you plan on having a brick and mortar type 
mm-hmm. place, but right now you're just out of your house, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Savoring the small moments. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, the small moments are important because that's what makes you, you. Right. That's what builds the foundation. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's kind of like with, again, this podcast, it's like, like I'm in the beginning stages of doing this podcast. Like you're, mm-hmm. I think number 31. And I'm I, 31 years old and I just That is birthday. awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. That's Actually, perfect. you might be 32. Day. You know, okay. I might, I might release it as 31 just, just for you. Just for me. I just for you. It. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. Hook up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, it's the beginning stages, and so I think a lot of people will see. Uh, at least I've noticed at the beginning, like um, when I had only a couple episodes out, people are like, "I'm not going to go do that." Like that's, it's just a small podcast, but like mm-hmm. you, you have to start somewhere, and it's those small. Mm-hmm. It's it, it builds as time goes on, and you know, you you meet more people, you get the hook up with other people, and yeah, and it, it builds into what it what it becomes. Yeah. And that will be the case with your business as well. Thank you. Future is bright. Future is very bright. It's always bright. Yeah. As, as long as you want it to be. Exactly. You can't, if you, as long as you have like a, a positive attitude and you know that you can conquer the world, you can do whatever you want. Right. Hey, people have already done it. That's the, that's the coolest part. That's right. Yeah. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to roll it up the hill. Yep. <laughs> and one thing that always bothers me, especially like, um, I guess with like entrepreneur type things is a lot of people will be like, Oh, you can't do that. Like that's, it's not supposed to be done that way. Mm. Like that's one thing I noticed again with this podcast is like, I follow this, <laughs> I follow this Facebook page. It's mm-hmm. for podcasters and people will be like, well, podcasts aren't supposed to have video. I'm like why? You know how many podcasts I've watched that have video? <laughs> I know. I'm like all the big podcasters have video. Like you listen to Joe Rogan, you listen right. to like, um, uh, all these other big podcasters, they ha- all have video, but I'm like, mm-hmm. why can't you, why is there a specific way of doing things? Why can't you mm-hmm. invent your own way of doing it and have it work? Right. There's no right or wrong way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Most things. And it's crazy until it happens. That's right. And then everybody's trying to do right here. Everybody's right. trying to do, you know, whatever the, what is it? Like ghost kitchens, how they're disrupting the restaurant industry. Like what's a ghost kitchen. Uh, so basically it's like, I apparently don't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> so also I'm a documentary nerd. Like I'll watch one on almost anything, but nature. <laughs> I do recycle though. Um, <laughs> so a ghost kitchen, it'll be like, um, it'll be like one restaurant and they'll have like 15 different restaurants all with their address. And they've got stuff to make. Like we got, there's one that's like a Chinese food restaurant, but they'd make Thai food. They make, wings they make all sorts of things so there's that kind and then there's the kind that's a little more dubious which is like there was this one lot i want to say this was in the uk that had a bunch of trailers and they were all kitchens so they were masquerading as local restaurants and they were making a bunch of money and people were like this you know this is off or you know the packaging is different because they were like hey we are also pasta aras and then they'd make the same food and distribute it out so basic, wow. yeah. So basically, it's um, either one restaurant that is really cooking as you know multiple restaurants, right. or it's um, or it's like a pop up, or it's um, one where you know they could only ever be takeout only. Okay. So instead of a food truck where you walk up, you place order and everything, this is all online. So that's the ghost aspect of it. Or there's ones that'll masquerade as existing restaurants. So those are the four kinds wow yeah. i didn't know that yeah that's crazy it's wild so i could open up a restaurant in my house and say i'm another restaurant and that'd be exactly. like a ghost restaurant yeah i mean until you get sued or something but <laughs> 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 but yeah but there are people who are just like 
if you wow. if you place an order through you know delivery service all you have to do is make the food and make sure it gets there how that all happens is a big question mark people don't know how to legislate it because it's it's new it's a disruptor it's got to be illegal i think maybe parts of it will be yeah but right now it's and and that was something too is like for the, the we're not brick, advocating for people to do this by the way no we're just <laughs> we're just exploring the the dynamics of it um so for the brick and mortar restaurants that was you know that was one kitchen was 15 kitchens uh so the guy interviewed him and and he was like can you name all the restaurants i think he only got about half because he forgets because he's like oh well when we send it back to the kitchen we don't tell them which restaurant it'll confuse them so we just send them the food back and they know how to make everything so great for them you know wow. a lot of kitchen experience but it was it was a way for them to stay open during the pandemic and of course you know the service industry has been severely impacted by COVID 19. so i think for him some of it most most of the small businesses yeah huh? yes the small ones i i think um I think the bigger, a lot of the bigger chains are pretty doing okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but for him, it was it was a survivalist thing for him to just be like, well, we're not going to just do Chinese food. Let's do Thai food. Let's do wings. Let's do whatever else. He's already got all the permits and the certifications and, you know, serve safe and everything. So he's not breaking any laws because he already had everything he needed to be a restaurant. Right. It's just that <laughs> everything is the same address. So, but is that wrong? Right, exactly. That's what I, I feel like. That's not wrong because he's shouldn't not, you be able to make whatever you want to make? Exactly. I mean, I guess it's kind of cultural appropriation a little bit. A little bit, but yeah, because if I were a Thai person, maybe I would feel differently. But I don't. But the thing is, is you go to like a Mexican restaurant, they don't necessarily have Mexicans working. Right. You know? Or you go to a Habaji restaurant, and they do. <laughs> so that's true. <laughs> I mean, but it's also like, well, if you have the skill, you know, should you not have the? I mean, right. I. I kind of like to think about these things because they're so nuanced and it's yeah. like, I know that everybody has their own perspective and everyone's is going to be limited because you can't have everybody's perspective. Right. But then, you know, like you said, it's different. I, I, you know, I think we both agree that the one who is just serving up different menus and different food, but is, was already a certified restaurant. He's paying his taxes. He's doing whatever yeah. is different from somebody being like, I'm also this guy. Right. <laughs> he's like, eh, mm, no, right. especially when you look at allergens and yeah. you know, product, you know, quality control. That's, that's a different thing. Right. That's true. Yeah. What was the name of that documentary? Uh, I want to say it was a vice documentary. Okay. Yeah. I, 99% of the documents I watch are, are on YouTube. Okay. So I like, I'll, so I'll, you go down rabbit holes. I do. <laughs> I do. When I'm like, hey, I'm just going to sit and chill. And then I'll just like have dinner and watch this. And they're like the ones that are like seven to 30 minutes. Yeah. So give me three hours. I can learn a lot. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you listen to podcasts? Do you listen to other podcasts? Uh, what yeah. kind of podcasts do you listen to? Favorite podcast is NPR Life Kit. Okay. Because they talk about everything. Yeah. And they're literally like, everything. Literally everything. They'll do ones on like how to start a garden, to huh. how to talk to your kids if they gain weight during COVID, to um, how to break up, how to uh, all sorts of things. So it's m- more like how to type things. Yep. Service journalism. Yep. Okay. So that's that's most of it. I realized though, especially like during quarantine. So. I started reading audiobooks and I was like, I should have started this five years ago. Like, <laughs> books on tape was big in the 90s for a reason. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah, it's oh man, I just finished reading Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. I okay, read, oh, he's a good he's a good author. Yeah, yes, 
I think Outliers is my favorite book. That's a good one. I'm yeah. actually, I think, listening to that right now. Yeah, I won't yeah. ruin it for you. Fantastic book. <laughs> <laughs> and um, with that, I realized I started, well, I started audio, reading audiobooks in quarantine, and then a lot of it was how to, um, like, Jen Sincero, like, I don't know if I can cuss on it, how to be a bad A. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can cuss if you want. Okay. So how to be a badass. Yes, how to be a badass. Just <laughs> be like, bad A. Um <laughs> Yeah, I just realized, like, I think I was trying to make sense of the world, so I was doing it through the books. And it's like, mm. tell me a story. It's like, this is how the world works, or this is the way to look at the world. Right. So, yeah, a lot of Malcolm Gladwell. Um, I think I'm at about 45 books since March, last March. Wow. So, yeah, thank you. I was like, yeah, I should have I should have been done this. But um, I realized that I was kind of, getting too existential like i was like i don't have anything that's just for fun so like for li for listening content yeah like like i enjoy this but it's not necessarily leisurely you're you're learning yes exactly yeah. like and, and it's again education is all sorts of right. things but i was realizing like i'm not taking time to just like watch something silly or watch something like watch a Nigerian movie, which are they're mostly rom coms, and some <laughs> of the characters are pretty dramatic, which keeps it interesting. <laughs> but especially because there's so many on Netflix, I've like watched the whole. Is Netflix. it really? Yeah, if you search Nigerian movies, you might go down a rabbit hole yourself. Really? <laughs> yeah. Do they, do they speak Nigerian? Um, so with Nigeria, it goes by ethnic group is your language. So like okay. I'm Igbo. There's a lot of people are Yoruba, which is in like. Lagos is in, like, the Yoruba part of Nigeria. There's, like, 250 ethnic groups, but there's three main ones, and okay. that's the prominent one over there. Um, so they'll go back and forth between Yoruba and then also some Igbo because they're common phrases that everybody knows. Okay. And then Pijin, which is, like, a derivation of English, so that's more slang. And then there's, like, reg like Queen's English. So you have English. a whole group of people just speaking slang? Um, sometimes. There's a lot of code switching, but okay. they have captions. So okay. they'll... Yeah, they'll be like speaking in foreign language. And I'm like, you want to put a name on it? <laughs> but yeah, I think you don't have to be Nigerian to follow along. There are some cultural aspects, but I think like the core of the movie you can enjoy without, you know, having to be Nigerian. Okay. So, hey, I'd say Lionheart. Have you ever been there? Yes, four times. Four times. Yes. Do you have family there? A lot of my family is over yeah. there. And so did, are your parents uh, from there? Yes. So okay. my So I'm the oldest of three. Okay. My siblings were born here. Okay. My siblings and I were born here. And um, my parents grew up in Nigeria. Wow. So, yeah. Why did they come here? For college or? Uh, so my dad came here for college. Okay. And did his college stuff. And then my mom and dad got married after my mom did her nursing training in Nigeria. Wow. And then she was a nurse here for public health nurse for like 25-ish years. Okay. And then now she runs businesses. So. What does she do? Like so, what businesses? So she runs um, some adult foster care homes. Really? Yeah, she's been doing. She says she's retired now. I'm like, this is the most active retirement. <laughs> 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 yeah, but she's a she's a hard worker, and she has, uh, she's shown me a lot of traits to have, like definitely the work ethic, of right. course, and the fact that, um, I think she showed me like people expect certain things out of you, but. Like, you can still, you can do better by yourself. You can, you can find ways to thrive that make sense for you because right. people will talk regardless. Mm -hmm. And as long as you have, like, a good core group of people, because you should always, I feel like you should always have somebody to bounce ideas off of because, yeah. you know, um, 
like I said, it's kind of hard to set boundaries with yourself or, you know, certain things are meant to be conversations. Right. <laughs> External conversations. Yeah. So uh, she's definitely taught me a lot about just, like, finding your path. And I think, I think the United States has more opportunities in the sense of there are more options over here. It's not that, I mean, like, she went to a great school system. There are colleges. We drive cars. We wear clothes so people know <laughs> Africa is a continent. <laughs> just want to put that out there. I've gotten some interesting questions over the course of my life. Oh, boy. Yeah, and I'm just like, uh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> what kind of questions? So, <laughs> so <laughs> We're going down a bunch of different rabbit holes, <laughs> but this holes. is interesting. Yes, yes. Um, there have been times where I've said, oh, I'm Nigerian. And then people are like, wow, your English is really good. And I'm like, of course, my, your English is also really good. <laughs> so there's that. And then there'll be times where people are like, oh, were you born here or were you born in Nigeria? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I was born here. Like, that's a common question. But then, um, oh, you're fine. And then, like, camera's irritating the crap out of me. <laughs> no problem. I can't look at it. <laughs> Don't look it's at like me. catching the corner of my eye. And yeah. it's like, I don't know why it's doing that. Oh, we're good. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, and then they'll be like, wait, so so what what was it like for you coming over here? I was like, I, the only time I came <laughs> over here is when I was coming back. <laughs> After seeing family. So I think really because the way that Africans and Africa are represented in the media, it's a very limiting, um, inadequate... Um, representation. Yeah, it's really... Yeah a negative representation. So okay. there's, you know, me being black, me being a Nigerian, me being a woman, me being a med school dropout. <laughs> if people want to... You're a failure. I'm, I'm a failure. But I'm you? thriving. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there's a lot of things, like my mom has had, not not all of those same experiences, but some of those, and she speaks with an accent. She's more bilingual than I am, even okay. in English. Both my parents are honest. I need to get on it. But... Um, I think people hear their accent and then they just assume a lot of really um, erroneous things. Right. And they don't give people the chance because they think, oh, well, you you must have only done X, Y, Z. Or they'll be for me like, do you know what this is? Do they have elevators? Do they have... What? Right. And do it's like... elevators? And, and also it's... I, like I said, you can't have everybody's perspective of people who only know that from the media. They don't know any Africans. They don't know any African... Like, like, first-generation African-Americans. Right. Um, I think they, you know, you're prone to just use the information that you have because you don't have anything else. So I think it gets sticky when people don't realize that they're operating without tact. And then it becomes frustrating for me because it's hard to tell, like, a tactless question from a microaggression. Right. And then there's also, like, that decision fatigue over, you know, 30 years of, 30-plus years of life it's like, I don't really know how you mean it. Right. Um, sometimes I can tell if I have a little bit more rapport with the person, but then sometimes people will just come up and like kind of demand that you educate them about any aspect of your experience. And you I'm need... not doing that, by the way. Right, right. <laughs> this is all, consi- I consent, this is all volunteer. You're not, you know, this is a positive experience. Okay. But um, it's, it's difficult because sometimes you do have the time to educate and... Um, sometimes people have gone and looked up stuff, but they don't know what is, you know, uh, they don't know how to vet the resources that they're accessing. Right. So I think it can be difficult, but my mom showed me, like, 
any way you slice it, like you're not gonna get it right 100% of the time, mm-hmm. but you can still, you know, your life can be a net positive by you working hard, by you doing your research, by you doing the work, by you understanding that not everybody's gonna get it, but the world doesn't have to understand for it to be something good. Now, do you think that your parents pushed on the hard work ethic because they're uh, immigrants from another country that's it's a third world country, right? Developing. Okay, so that's a personal thing for me is um, third world for me is like we're all on the same planet. Right. So, but I mean, like, yeah, as far as what people would refer to a third world, like it's not as developed right. as the United States. Am I correct? Yes. It's, okay. it's redeveloping. Um, I think. So I'm sorry. No, you're good. So do you think that. Your parents are pushing the hard work. Like, you can achieve anything you want, mm-hmm. anything, regardless of what anybody thinks about you, because mm-hmm. as long as you work hard, you can get it, because they're from a place that maybe didn't have as many opportunities mm-hmm. or, or you know, they didn't have as many, I guess, yeah, opportunities available yeah. to them there or as they do here. Yes. Yes. I th- That's definitely part of it, I think, okay. is, like, if we, like, you know, like I said, my mom went to nursing school and she did phenomenal there. Like she came right. here and at one point she was recognized as like one of the top 500 nurses in the state. Wow. So yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. My mom was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to her mom. No. So for, for the, the way I see things now is that yes, you can do whatever you want, but then as I've gotten older, they've shown me like, there is this whole thing of like certain people don't want you to win. And I think this goes for everybody, but especially if something already makes you different from your peers or the people you interact with most frequently is that there are unspoken rules to the how and the why. Like you cannot negotiate the same way somebody would if they are from the same demographic as the person that you need to, you know, get approval from in order to proceed to do, you know, to get clearance to do certain things or if you want a promotion. um, Why do you think that is? I think, well, there's a psychological component. I won't get too far into it because I don't know exactly right. all the science. But basically, if somebody looks like you or if you have a shared experience with somebody, then you're more likely to be understanding of them. You're more likely, right. you know, because they're more humanized to you. Right. So I think when people hear somebody speak English and their accent doesn't sound like their accent, then they might get defensive. For some people, there might be xenophobia or there might be well, I met a Nigerian in 1985 and they were like this, so I know you're just like this person. Or they ask you, there's one guy, this has happened a couple times, like, oh, I went to dental school with a Nigerian. Do you know oh him? Oh, my gosh. Like, he didn't even give me a name. <laughs> Is that your cousin? No. Do Is that you your know cousin? him? Yeah. What, did we work at the same place? Like, right. It's like you, what? right, from a, from a place I've never been 15 years ago. Yeah, without a name. I just, mm, yeah, Nigerian, I know him. <laughs> I think I think it's easy to kind of put people in like a box because we don't know anybody from there or from you know like mm-hmm. like I I don't know anybody f- I've never been to Nigeria I yeah. I've never I don't know if I've ever met I mean, I've probably met people from Nigeria but I've mm-hmm. you know like I don't know it's it's I think it's 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 small minded thinking I think because I mean mm-hmm. if you were to just be like I don't know. I don't really know what to say. It's, it's just, it's, I think it's very small, small minded thinking mm-hmm. to, to assume that everybody from Nigeria knows everybody and just like, right. They obviously don't know anything about, about the geographical right. uh, aspect of, of Nigeria. Cause I'm sure it's a big country. It's big. It's big. Yes. It's, a big I don't know what the population is, but 
I want to say like in Nigeria, there's like 200 million. Wow. So that's yeah. a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of people. It's not like there's just a thousand of us. We don't have one town in Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> we're not, even we're if, not a one stoplight town. In even our country. if there was 1,000 people, that's a lot of people to know. Like, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a dumb way to relate it, but a lot of people will be like, oh, you work at GM. Do you know so and so? I'm like, mm-hmm. there's like 1,500 people that work there. And I don't know that. Like, who, what do they look like? Do you have a picture? I might, I might recognize a person. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. So it's kind of the same. It's not the same thing, but it's like, I, I get what you're saying. As mm-hmm. people are like, oh, do you know that person? Like, it's right. It's dumb. It's a dumb thing to say. It's it's definitely uh, ill-advised, but I think playing devil's advocate here, I think for some people, maybe that is how they try to humanize people is like, well, if you're like this person that I know, um, um, but they don't give you enough information, like, you know, he's from this state or like, oh, he's in this department. Like, oh, I don't work with people in that department. Okay, cool. Then you don't know this guy at GM. Right. Um, I think we kind of, I think it can become like a grasping at straws thing. Like, do you know this person from eighth grade? Because then even though I don't talk to them and I haven't talked to them since I was, you know, wearing braces, I still think that if you know him and I know him, then that's, you know, now it's one degree of separation. Do you think that it could be, in some cases, um, people trying to find a way to like, to bond, I guess, in a sense, like I, I know somebody who is Nigerian. Mm-hmm. Um, what if I do know him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like, do you think it's like, because there's obviously a cultural difference and maybe they don't know how to approach, mm-hmm. approach it, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's, I think finding ways to connect with people can be very awkward. Yeah. Um, so you just try to find mutual ground. You exactly. know, that's what typically you do in a conversation. You're like, let's find some interest. Exactly. So then it's just like, you know, like you said, oh, do you know this person at GM? Or right. like, do you know this Nigerian I met in Scandinavia? <laughs> Have I been to Scandinavia? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it's, it's, there's definitely like a cringe aspect to it. Yeah. But it's also, it's also like, I think at some point you do have to let it be like water off the duck's back. Mm. And the fact that they don't know, like I said, sometimes I have the energy and the time to educate. Other times you can kind of see that it wouldn't make that much of a difference. So you have to pick your battles with that. But uh, that is why I love documentaries so much is because I can learn without having to ask all the stupid questions. Right, right. Or the questions that I would feel really embarrassed about asking, but maybe they're fine with, but I don't want to run that risk. Right. So like I've watched one on, a couple on like, um, like children of people who are trafficked in different countries. Mm. Um, I watch one on people who are Satanists. I'm not trying to convert, but I think it's interesting because, like, the Church of Satan, or I forget exactly what they call it, but it's not about worshiping Satan. It's more right. of like an equality, egalitarian thing. And I was like, I would have never known. Yeah. So. And I think it's important because, I mean, a lot of people, they associate their ideologies with the content they consume. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, I agree with that person, so I'm going to listen to that. I I, I agree with Fox News, so I'm listening to Fox News. Or I agree with CNN, so Mm -hmm. that's that's what I'm watching. Right. We don't need those other networks. Right. (laughs) It's like, that's that's it. That And I I think that's a huge problem, and it's a real narrow-minded thinking. And so I think that, like, right now with like podcasts and you the you like YouTube channels and um, just all the different content that's out there. It's allowing for people to uh, to know more about mm-hmm. things that we would have never known before, like Satanism or right. um, uh, 
I don't know, just everything. Different experiences. Li- like literally everything. Like right yeah. now, somebody's probably going to, li- well, not right now, but, you know, somebody's going to listen to this podcast and be like, oh, she's from Nigeria. I'm, I might look up a documentary or look up on Netflix right. um, movies from Nigeria. Yes. And it gives people a, diff- a different perspective. Exactly. Also, for that, I would say, yes, the Nigerian movies on Netflix are good. There are some tropes, as there are with any cinema. Um, also, Anthony Bourdain, rest his soul, did a great episode of his show, I forget what it's called, um, about featuring Lagos, Nigeria. Oh, okay. So I highly recommend that. Okay. And Chinua Achebe, Godfather of African Literature, Things Fall Apart, classic. Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. I know you're hearing this and you won't know how to spell it, <laughs> but if you just look up like famous Nigerian authors, um, that's good. Okay. So if they want some positive references from a Nigerian about where to get some good info about it, those are some places. So... You've gone to Nigeria four times, right? Yes. Um, what was it like? Was it, like, what kind of things did you do there? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you have a lot of family there. Um, yes. So. I ate a lot of rice. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it's probably good. So good. So yeah. good. The mangoes, the oranges, don't play with me. They're so much better over there. I'm just like, oh, Yeah. Um, so the very first time we, my siblings and I went with our dad Okay. and we got into Lagos at night. Lagos has a population of like 20 million. Wow. They've got everything that is the, that's the New York city of Nigeria. Okay. And we got in at night. So then there are all the vendors on the street. Like, Hey, do you want to buy this? Do you want to buy that? It was hectic. I was nine years old. Wow. Yeah. So, um, then the last time when I was 24 years old, so I had a little bit more understanding. Right. I, I am hoping to learn the language because at one point, like I'm gonna be the one planning the trip, and that is gonna. That's a bit scary for me right now because once you get outside of like the metropolis, re, you know, metropolitan areas, then you kind of have to know which roads to go on and navigate because not everything is labeled. Like out here, if you go out into the country, you just kind of have to know where the where the stoplight is. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So um, it was. It wasn't a, ever like a tourist thing. Okay. We would go and see family in, d- in different parts of the country. Right. So we'd go go to like one person's house, and then you don't have just a house; you have a compound. So there's like the main Several house. Several families. Um, sometimes, okay. but there's like the main house, and then there's like, um, you typically have help, and maybe it's a family member, or someone, and they come in and they'll, um, cook and clean for the family. Okay. But then in exchange for that, like you'll pay for their education. So they can wow. go to school because there isn't really public schooling like there is over here. Right. So there's an exchange there, um, and, and then you'll you have pr- guest you have to pay for school there. Yes. Okay. School fees. It's it's the yeah. same way in Honduras. My my dad he's mm-hmm. a, actually an illegal immigrant from okay. Honduras, mm-hmm. and so he's always sending money back because his kids have to go to school. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And any, every time you go back, you you don't show up empty-handed. <laughs> you have and then <laughs> like one of the things was um, that I noticed the first two times I went. First time was we went with our dad second time with our mom and then our mom again when when i was 16 and then when i was 24 so um you always come back and you and you bring something partially because of if you're going to visit somebody it's nice to bring something right but also people expect like you came from the land of opportunity what do you mean you don't (laughs) you didn't see anything cute the last five years (laughs) you didn't think about me at all right you know i like bracelets (laughs) um yeah, so I think I do want to go to, like, Leki, and they've got, like, a natural area where you've got, like, like a high ropes course and things like that. 
I haven't gone just as a tourist. I've gone okay. to see family. Right. Um. So like 2019 was the year of return because it was 400 years from the beginning of like the Atlantic slave trade. And then I saw that Cardi B was in Nigeria. And I was like, how is Cardi B in Nigeria? And I'm not. This is the year of return. <laughs> I was like, dang. But um, yeah, she... I think it's interesting because I see now kind of a rise in the interest of African-Americans, black Americans, whatever you want to say, uh, the interest of them in African culture. There's definitely been like, unfortunately a successful divide and conquer initiative going on. Like you've got the Africans, you've got Africans in Western countries. Um, like if you think like, Oh, like a somebody whose grandmother was from the deep South and then you've got like Caribbeans and then you've got, Africans in non-Western countries. So right. I think we're all separated. And then based on where you are, there's, um, there's, there's division that doesn't need to exist. I think it's good to recognize like how different cultures have formed. Right. Um, like a Jamaican and Nigerian are similar, but not the same. Right. We, right. you know, we were both under British colonial rule, all these things, but our flags are different. Right. Also, Africa did not divide itself into countries. That was at the Berlin conference. They were like, this place has resources. Let's be gentlemen and divide it among ourselves. Meanwhile, we're in Nigeria just living our lives. <laughs> and then the boats come to Badagri and it's like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> now, do you think that they're doing a better job now at recognizing um, different cultures as its own its own thing? Who? Just everybody in everybody? general. Um, I think for the people who are willing to do the work and learn... Yes, I think there's some people who are just kind of um, really unmoving on that. Like, a black person is a black person right. is a black person. Right. Even if they're like, oh, I love black people and we're all great. Okay, cool, but we also have all these cultures and, you know, no human being is without facets. Do you know what's re really interesting about um, cultures is, I mean, because a lot of people generalize so they'll mm -hmm. be like oh that's the black culture mm -hmm. and um they they created rap music or you know whatever mm -hmm. but what's interesting about like necessarily like the black culture mm -hmm. is that every single individual culture like ni whether it be nigerian or mm -hmm. jamaican or haitian like yeah. whatever it is they have their own like set of like music they have their own type of music it's mm -hmm. really interesting Afrobeats is amazing <laughs> <laughs> i saw four nigerian artists in 2019 and i was so thankful <laughs> here, here in the states here yes i saw jacob banks so he's yoruba and he moved to birmingham in the uk when he was 13 so he was british okay and then i saw mr easy and then i saw uh jidenna who okay so mr easy i want to say he grew up in nigeria but i know um, a lot of times, once you have the wealth, you go or to build wealth, you'll go to London. Like, yeah, you came to us. We're coming to you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so there's a large Nigerian population in London, large Indian population, and other places where British people have been. Okay. Um, so I saw Jacob Banks. I saw Mr. Easy. I saw Jidenna, who, so Jidenna is biracial. His mom is like Scandinavian descent, but she's American. Okay. And then his dad was a through and through Nigerian man who was over the over who came to the States to study, I believe. And um he was raised if I remember correctly, he spent most of his life in Nigeria until he was seven and then he came over here. So his is more, okay. you know, as a different story there. And then I saw um who was the last one? I saw Falls. Falls the bad guy. 
<laughs> I saw him in December of 2019. Mm. So it was. I wish I would have seen uh, one of one of our female artists. But uh, seeing them was was interesting because their stories are all a little bit different. Right. Um, but seeing them perform, like the energy is the same and it's lit. <laughs> <laughs> How big are the concerts? Because so, I would assume that most of the people going are are Nigerian, because he probably has like a ni- mostly like Nigerian following, right? Yep, Nigerian and African. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, let's see. The first one, Jacob Banks, was in Detroit. Was it the Majestic Theater? I think. And then, uh, Mr. Easy was in Chicago. Uh, I don't remember where that place was. My sister, no, she lived there for a year. Um. <laughs> But it was a smaller venue. Okay. And then Jiden and I saw in Detroit at St. Andrew's Hall. St. Andrew Hall, yeah. And then I saw Falls at Cola, which is a restaurant that like turns into a performance venue sometimes. So oh, that's cool. a bit smaller venue. Cool. Yes. Do you get to meet these people? Um you get pictures with them? I paid for a meet and greet with okay. Jidenna. That was that was money well spent. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good looking guy. <laughs> Uh, but that was that was cool. I did not meet the other individuals, but I was I was front row for Jacob Banks, and then I was front row like on the side for for Falls. So I was in proximity, but um, it was it was cool. I so when I met Jidana, I didn't want to be like. Hi, oh my gosh, I'm Nigerian too. <laughs> because I feel like, yeah, glad there's everybody, <laughs> everybody here today. Um, but I don't know. In that moment, I was just like, let me be present. One, um, meet and greets are not $5. <laughs> right. So, you know, you don't want to go and waste the moment, whatever that would mean for you. Yeah. So I, I bought a t-shirt, he signed my t-shirt, and it was cool. We took pictures, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to cherish these forever. And, you know, I still have them, hey. Uh, <laughs> Hanging above your bed. <laughs> no, 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 no. I have a shrine. Do you want to see? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was it. Was it was it was a cool moment. I'm like, he's he's a chill dude. But also, it's like he just sang for us for two hours. Right. And I think he has fam- He has family in the Detroit area. He's like, okay, hey guys, me group can't be too long because I'm gonna see my family. Um, while he was on tour, but. That was that was a cool moment. I do like meeting Nigerians in different spaces. Yeah. Because I know that we're it's like you know they had the visa like visa. It's everywhere you want to be. It's like Nigerians. We're everywhere you didn't know we were. <laughs> 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 like there's some of us like in Poland and Wow. Yeah. All over. I'm like Poland. Uh, I mean I thought Michigan was cool. <laughs> 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 but yeah. Wow, that's cool. That is really cool. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool that you um, you stay it pretty involved in in the culture that you're from and you're you're that you're a part of. Yes. Yeah. I try to. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool because I mean, like for me, like I said, my dad's um Honduran, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm half Honduran. Yeah. My my mom is a mix of a bunch of things, um, mostly like European. Mm-hmm. Um, so like for me, I was I was adopted and. I was mainly raised like Caucasian, like in a mm-hmm. Caucasian home. Mm-hmm. So I was, I never like had that, um, I guess that like that, that, the ethnic background. Mm-hmm. I never was really a part of that. Yeah. So like n- knowing about it now as an adult, it's like, okay, like I, I feel like an intruder kind of coming in. Like, mm-hmm. like, let me learn more about this or let me get involved. Like, let me, I feel, it feels weird, yeah. you know? So I'm not really like in the culture much. Like, mm-hmm. 
Because yeah. you, you didn't... Um, I didn't grow up in it. Right. I, I don't feel like I'm a part of it, necessarily, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I feel like if I were to be like, oh, yeah, I'm, let's go Honduras. <laughs> right. I'm going to go to a soccer game or, you know, whatever. Like, right. You know, I, I don't know. Just I don't feel that attached to it. Yeah. So. I'm not Honduran, but I personally feel like even though you might not feel like you have the right, you do. Right, yeah. Um, and that's something that I've struggled with, too. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a really a short but kind of silly story. So, you know how I said there's, like, English and then there's Fijian, which is, like, the slang version right. of English. So, this was the third time we went to Nigeria. So, my grandma uh, couldn't really, like, she spoke some English, but obviously she was speaking Igbo. And um, so everybody in the house is speaking Igbo, and then here we are, like the little Americans. <laughs> like that's when I really felt American. I was like, oh, my Igbo is trash. <laughs> so then I thought, okay, maybe I'll speak to her in Pijin. But for whatever reason, like I said, I was 16, so, you know, formative years. But I was like, I don't want to speak to her in Pijin because it feels, I don't know, I would feel like she would feel that I'm mocking her. I was right. like, Grandma, how you did? You know, like right. just little, I felt like she would understand me. Did you hear that? A little bit. That was my stomach. (laughs) I'm growling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I felt like it would be disrespectful in a way because growing up in the house, like we either spoke English or we speak Igbo. Or sometimes I'll be walking around speaking Spanish just so I don't forget it. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I felt like, oh, I can't do that because it's like, I don't know. Like if, if somebody... I don't know. I, f- I feel like something was off about it for me. Like, I couldn't... Grandma, how far? Grandma, you know, just, just little things. Even to start the conversation, I felt like I couldn't because she'd think that I was mocking her. Right. And then, so she passed away, like, a month before my high school graduation. I'm like, I should have just done it. Because if it, if it went wrong, like, you know, like, so if you enter a space and maybe, you know, they're speaking Spanish or maybe they're not and they're just, like, celebrating right. being Honduran right. or being Latino or whatever. Yeah. You know, for me, it was just like, it's going to be clunky either way, so you might as well try. Right. Because now I don't ever have the opportunity. I'll never know if she would have been offended. Right. She you probably know? wouldn't have been. Right. She probably would like, okay, now I can finally understand her. <laughs> <laughs> like, thank you. It took you the whole trip. But, she yeah. Might, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, like, for me, it's real strange to, like, like I went and visited my dad uh, when I found him. I found him. Uh, like two years ago, okay. Mike, Michael and I went because Michael and I have the same dad. Cool. We went and found our dad and we met him and we met our family. And obviously they're all like part of the Latino, like local community. Like, I mean, we're from Lake Worth, Florida. So like it's okay. south of West Palm Beach okay. and there's a pretty big Latino like community there. Uh-huh. And so they're pretty in, like, I don't want to say involved, but they're like part of a part of that community. Right. So, like coming in from like and I feel like an outsider going in it's like this is strange this is right. it's like, it's cool to be a part of it like knowing that like uh, this is this is my like I'm part of this yeah this this group of people like hey we do <laughs> <laughs> but I also feel like an intruder at the same time you know right it's so, it's, it's that um I'm sorry finish your question no no oh. you're good okay uh I think that's something too like with people learning about different cultures and learning like how things are divergent for different reasons. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of that coming up. Like there are times where I'm just like, 
I think it's it's easy when, like, say you're at work. I would imagine there's not a large Honduran population at GM. No, nobody knows how to say Honduran. They're like Hondurian, like oh. what? <laughs> yeah, you gotta start somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so you go and like you can, I mean, you can just be David, but also for some people, at sometimes you are like David the Hondurian, <laughs> the Honduran, and um. I think people don't question it because they don't, you know, there's nothing to question. They don't have context. Right. But then when you go in, you're entering like a deeper context. Right. So I think as we go in and people like do the ancestry tests and everything and they find out like I'm 18%, whatever. What does that mean? Right. Especially because America's, we're supposed to be melting pot. I think we melt like bootleg Velveeta sometimes. <laughs> 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 but um, I think there's that reckoning that needs to happen internally like with our own identities but mm-hmm. also in how we interact with other people while realizing people may not have the language or the understanding to really get or express completely right. you know where they are or what they're trying to learn more about right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, i'm gonna leave it at that all right you worded it perfectly thank you hey i'm a <laughs> copywriter boston broider <laughs> <laughs> all right so um if you want to if you want to want her services as soon as she's uh up and running yeah um you're not necessarily looking for clients right now right i'll take clients you'll you'll take clients okay so if you want to get a hold of her where can they reach you uh so i am on facebook at boss embroider b-o-s-s ampersand uh b-r-o-i-d-e-r also on instagram same name okay um or you can email me at hello at b-o-s-s-a-n-d b-r-o i d e r dot com okay and yeah so i am i am taking on clients right now website um i'll release more info about that on my social media platforms as we get closer to that launch date cool and i'll put everything in the show notes so they can just go to the show notes and find you sounds good and make it easy thank you all right well thanks for doing this i really appreciate it is there anything else you want to say before we go do you want to put a a word of positivity out there some sort of message that you would (laughs) (laughs) um Leave a little sparkle every... No, okay. So <laughs> as a copywriter, I'm not the biggest on inspirational quotes, but I do like quotes from people who have addressed some sort of issue that, have, that has happened. Um, my bit of positivity is don't be afraid to learn and don't be afraid to try. That's, That's what awesome. I'm doing. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I like that. All right. Well, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me, David. Absolutely. Yeah.